Morning, church. It's a joy to be with you guys. A pleasure. Uh, anytime a church and a pastor allows me to come into their pulpit, I'm always humbled and grateful. Been with you guys a couple of times through the years, and I'm, I'm now kind of in the neighborhood. I'm living in Savannah uh, the last few months, uh, working as Thomas Hammond, your new executive director, is regionalizing the missionary work around the state. I'm now in uh, Region 6, Southeast, and uh, with about 500 churches and 13 or so associational missionary strategists in areas serving in pastoral wellness. So thank you for your gifts that allow us to follow our calling and serve uh, your church, your pastor, uh, and churches like this all around Georgia. And so uh, it's a joy. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 50. As you're turning, I just want to again share how, you know, we're just coming out of that season of busyness. Uh, man, we had Thanksgiving, and that was food and people and travel. Then we had Christmas, and that was food and people and travel. And then New Year's, and that was food and people and travel. And, and it just seems like this season is a wonderful time of the year, and I enjoy it so much. But at the end of it, I'm exhausted. In fact, someone told me this morning that now that everything has gone, the house is quiet. But sometimes that's some of the best time, especially with the Lord when we have that quiet time with Him. And so this morning, I want to talk to you out of Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 50, about sitting with Jesus in the new year. Uh, sitting with Jesus in the new year in such a way that, that you hear from Him fresh uh, things out of the Scriptures through His Holy Spirit. Uh, this inspired me over the holidays. Someone challenged me with this idea of sitting with Jesus in the new year. Uh, having a recommitment to His Word and to time in prayer. And, and, and I've been seeking that uh, and trying to stay with that every morning, every day, like never before. But let's look at the Scriptures, beginning in verse 41, said now, we know in verse 40, Jesus was filled with wisdom and grace of God was upon him. 41 says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when He was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they had returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been with the company, they went a day's journey and then sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47 tells us that all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So then when he saw them, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and more importantly, you love us, and that's a good word, that you first loved us. And Lord, we thank you for that. Now, Lord, fill us in this room with Your Holy Spirit so that we might hear clearly from Your Word, a fresh Word, about spending time with You in this new year. Lord, there are a lot of things in life that distract us. Good things and not so good things, but we pray that we would be focused on the best thing, You. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this text, and it's so easy to kind of move right by this text sometimes and, and not see all that's in there. And I've, I've been guilty of that myself. And I was just thinking about this time. I mean, here Mary and Joseph travel, and they come back, and all of a sudden they realize Jesus is not with them. You lost the Messiah. 
I'm just saying, that's not good. And, and so I've lost a few things and, and, uh, and some important things at times, but never have I lost Jesus thus far. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, by His grace, and I always shall not, because that's, that's different. But what I want to share with you guys is a story. When I was a campus minister, I was a seminary, and I just moved back to Georgia actually to serve in my first campus in Columbus. And my office and the senior campus ministers were lined up. So every morning he would roll in and, and I would hear him in this conversation with his wife like, oh, good morning, sweetie. Oh, I love you too. And thank you for taking our son to daycare today. Thank you. I was so busy. Thank you for doing that for us. I just, you know, that was the conversation. Well, that morning it was like, hey, honey, I love you. Thank you again for taking our son to daycare. Now, that's not funny. Nah, stop kidding. That's not funny. Are you serious? Really? The phone went down. He jumped up and as he was passing my office, running to his car, he said, Daniel's home alone. Like the movie. But Daniel's three years old. And the only thing between Daniel and a pond in the front of their yard is a front door. So he's rushing to the house. And I thought, I better go too. So I jump up and I'm praying as I'm rushing out the door. And I never knew a little Honda could travel so fast. I'm telling you, it was like light speed, you know. And, and he got there before me. But, but as I got there, as I pulled up into the neighborhood, 20 plus minutes later, I see these tire marks straight through the yard and stops right at the front door steps. And the doors open. And I'm just kind of panic struck thinking, what has happened? Take a breath. It's all good. Some of you are worried. I know already. But anyway, as I pull into the driveway, I realize as I'm going around the corner of the house and I see the front door, there he is holding his son in his pajamas, his son is, with a box of cereal and the dog dragging his tail. It's a happy ending. I get there. By the time I get out of the car, I hear his little son saying, Sheba won't let me go outside the Australian shepherd, after he had opened the door because his favorite thing was to go to the water, kept him in the house. He and an angel of the Lord, I'm convinced. And then Mama showed up, and then it got interesting, and I left. <laughs> I mean, parents being parents. My wife lost her iPhone the other day on the way to the grocery store. We live in a community where you can golf cart around. Everybody thinks that's so cool, and it's kind of cool, but... She lost her iPhone, and so we had to track all these places back, and I was so upset and anxious, and I'm thinking, it's just an iPhone. You know? Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus. But it's all in God's sovereign plan. I love that nothing takes God by surprise, and nothing overwhelms His sovereign plan and purpose. He's got this thing, and I'm grateful for that. But this is a great story to look into how busyness makes us weary. And when we get weary, we get distracted. And when we get distracted, we become forgetful. And sometimes we can forget the things that are in the center of our hearts. There was no doubt how much love my senior campus minister and his sweet wife had for their precious son. That was never in doubt. But because of the busyness of that morning, weariness, you know, all these things take place, forgetfulness occurred. The scriptures here show us a couple of things about this whole process. 
Verse 41 reminds us that, that every year Mary and Joseph went to the Feast of Passover, or they went to Jerusalem. See, there were three there were three of these gatherings every year. The first one was the Feast of Passover in April. That's when they were giving thanks for God delivering them from Egypt. And so that was kind of the primary one, that everyone was encouraged. The Scriptures even, Deuteronomy tells us where to go and celebrate God's miraculous work, God's miracles in the life of Egypt, getting them free from Pharaoh and his army. And not only that was a feast, but also we know the Feast of Pentecost, which is about the new grains and the harvest in May. And then we move all the way and we see the Feast of Tabernacle in September, which talks about where they're giving gratitude to God for their time in the wilderness and how He provided the manna and the quail and protection. You see, every year, Mary and Joseph gathered themselves up and gathered their son Jesus, and they gathered with the crowds and they, they journeyed as a crowd Kind of like what's happening now as, as Clemson and LSU are gathering in the stadium tomorrow for that shindig. Somebody might get forgotten. Something might get lost. You know, someone's going to win. A tiger, I hear. But it's one of those things where we need to understand is this was an ever year experience. And so it's, at first glance, maybe it doesn't look that, you know, serious. But this is the only time in the Scriptures that we're recorded that this happened. And there are a lot of details around it. But realizing this is a part of their everyday life as Jewish people when it comes to this time of year to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So they're on their way. And as they're on their way, they get up there and they had this wonderful time and they're busy, busy with friends, I'm sure, and, 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 and doing their worship and all these things are transpiring. And suddenly as they move back and they get back in the caravan and groups are heading out at different times, it's there where they realize that Jesus is not with them. He's not with them. They begin to wonder, what's going on? And so they suddenly discover that He's not with them and they realize they need to, to return and, and go, go find where Jesus is. Now we know that Mary knew who Jesus was. We know that Jesus really knew who Jesus was. They didn't know everything. And we're not sure how much Jesus even knew of Himself on this process when He's 12 years old. But we knew that there was some understanding there. So this was not just another Jewish kid that had been lost. They knew this was the promise. This was the one who came in a miraculous way and that God was highly favored over Mary, and he was important. So they travel back. And as they're traveling back, I'm sure they're having conversation like we would have had conversation as parents. I've never left a kid. We only got one. It's kind of hard to leave one, but, but I've never left one. Now, I've wanted to leave him a couple of times. I'm just going to be straight up on that one. There's some times I'm thinking, I'll just tell you what, let's just sell him to the circus or trade him off. I'm just telling you, man. He's, you know, special. Where's that middle school? That's the time right there. I'm thinking, that's you guys who are in middle school, we love you. You're just a handful. Thought it is. No, just teasing. We're grateful for you. Jesus' parents were grateful for him. He was their priority. They just got too busy and they moved away. And so, anyway, so as they're traveling back to get him, it's all these things are transpiring in their heart, these conversations. And then we see in verse 46 so now it was after three days they found him in the temple. And in the midst of that temple, he was teaching. They were listening and they were asking questions. And they were astonished at His answers. I love this. Here's 12-year-old Jesus. Do we have any 12-year-olds in here this morning? Anybody 12-year-old? Any 12-year-olds? 12 Are you a 12-year-old girl? Basketball. But anyway, the, I'm just saying, volleyball, one of those things. Some sport. Go, Daddy. Go, Mama. The, uh, but seriously, 12 years old. 
He's in the temple. Now here's, you know who's in the temple? The Sanhedrin. You know who the Sanhedrins are? The Sanhedrins are rabbis and teachers of the law. I mean, these are not just average teachers. These are the top teachers. There's also people in the communities, community leaders, who are not only wealthy, but they're influential. And they're in this group that Jesus is listening and teaching. And then you've got the, the knotheads, as Penny would say, a friend of mine, a campus minister down at ABAC. You've got the people who want to argue the Scriptures. This is right and this is wrong. And then you've got onlookers. All of these people that are in front of Jesus are astonished. They're astonished at His understanding and wisdom of the Scriptures. You know why? Because He is the Messiah, the promised One that all the Scriptures spoke of. And He's just demonstrating a part of who He is and is becoming more of. Again, I'm not sure how much Jesus knew of Himself right now, but He knew enough to know that He was a beat about His Father's business in the temples with the Scriptures. And He had understanding and He had teaching. That's exciting to me to know that the Savior who died for me was the one, even when He was 12 years old, followed God in perfect obedience to the Scriptures and the prophecies and the promise. I'm just telling you, that's amazing. That's comforting to know this morning that my Savior, even as a 12-year-old, was obedient to the Father. And He was following after the Father. And as I was looking at this about His teaching and how the answers were astonishing them and all these people were just glued, God sent me to a Scripture that just really amazed me. You see, here's Jesus and He tells us when the parents get there, He gives that reply. He talks about, why are you looking for Me? I'm, I'm, I'm in My Father's business. What's, what's, why are you so concerned? I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, just like you were doing what you're supposed to be doing as a good Jewish parent or person coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. You're doing what you know the Scriptures require. I'm doing what the Scriptures require. And He doesn't do it really in a smart like way. He does it in a Jesus kind of way, which is always perfect. How we always need to follow His example. Perfect. But it led me to a Scripture. Listen to this Scripture, 1 Kings 2, 1-3. through I'll read. You can turn if you'd like, but I'll read. It says this. This is David's instruction to his son Solomon. Now the days of David drew near that I should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, Go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore. Prove yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord in your God and walk in His ways. Keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and whatever you do, you will not turn. David said that to Solomon when Solomon was 12 years old. Jesus is eternal from the beginning. So before He planted His little feet as a child on this planet, He was in the heavens. The Scriptures and the Word that David spoke to Solomon that we're recorded in 1 King are inspired from the God of heaven. He knew these words before He came and put His feet on this planet. He's fulfilling these words that were even spoken before Him in the Old Testament. David to Solomon. It just 
reminds me and encourages me that this thing is God's plan and purpose from beginning to end. There's no gaps. There's no places it doesn't fit. It all comes together in prophecy and pointing to the one we call Jesus. I love that. David saying, Solomon, be about your father's business, my business, who I am, but but God is for you. And then David passing and allowing Solomon. And then Jesus being about his father's business and doing. So we've got this event where they travel and they move away and they come back looking for him. They find him. He's teaching. All these things are going on. It's just a busy, kind of crazy time in the life of Jesus and his parents. Yet he's focused on the Word of God and instructing others on it. And this is where I then kind of move back to the current passage and thinking about being about my father's business. And then we see that phrase where it says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke. So Mary and Joseph, even though they know who Jesus is, this miraculous promise, this miracle that came to them, it's still something that they're not completely sure of. How this all works. How this all fits together. It's kind of like life, isn't it? We know who holds life. We know what's at the end of our life as believers. But it's this in-between time that can be uncertain at times. We have to look to Him. That's why it's so important that you and I spend time sitting with Him in this new year. So that when we know clearly, we keep moving forward. But when we don't know clearly, even all the more important that we keep moving forward in Him. Trusting Him in His Word. Listening to the Spirit. The song come to mind, and we heard it over the holiday seasons often. And this is what connected to that thought about they didn't really understand the statements when He spoke. Is the song, Mary, Did You Know? I know you probably heard it maybe too many times over the holidays, but I love the lyrics. I find it interesting that a comedian, Mark Lowry, is the one who penned that word. That's interesting how the Lord gave him insight there. But you know the words, Mary, did you know the baby boy would one day walk on water? I think about Brother Matt and those men just hours ago were at the very place where Jesus walked on water. This is not a story. This is not make-believe. This historically happened. And Mary recounting that and, and that word coming back of those things. Did you know you walk on water? Mary, did you know your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And then Mary, did you know your baby boy will give sight to the blind? Miracles. Miracles. Church, that might be the word for you this morning. It really might be. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Well, Matt talked about how it was cool this morning. And as calm as it looked out there, that sea can get treacherous. When I was a kid in the upstate of the Carolinas, we were fishing one night for trout. And we were tied up to the big pump systems that pump the water from Lake Jocassee into Kiwi and back from Kiwi to Jocassee. And it's a great place to fish for lake trout. And I remember the, you could see the storm coming up over the mountain. And the lake was just eerily calm before. But as that lightning kind of rolled slowly up to the mountains and then over the mountains, it, it started the wind blowing and the waves rocking and everything. And I was a little guy, maybe 11, 12 years old, and I asked my brother-in-law, Ronnie, I said, uh, should we go back to the shore? But the fish were biting good. And you know what? Rule of thumb, fish are biting good. We're not leaving. I'm just telling you, we're going to stay. 
And we stayed too long. And so it took us, what took us maybe 20 minutes to come from the landing to where we were fishing, hours and hours to get back, bailing that boat, all hands on deck, throwing water out because it was not one of these fancy boats all those years ago. It was just a barely a boat, if you know what I'm talking about. And we got back and that sea became, that lake became a sea. And, it, and so I just envisioned Jesus calming that sea like those boys saw this morning with His hand, with His words. Do you know that baby boy walked where angels trotted? And when you kiss the little baby, you kiss the face of God. Amazing. God of all creation sent His Son down to you and I just like these little guys right here. He loves us so much, He invested in the world His Son. And then He let His Son grow up, go to a cross, to die. But thank you, Jesus, He was resurrected. And He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And that is the statement He gives to us today, that Jesus is Lord of all. You see, this story reminds us of a couple of things. And this is kind of where I want to leave you this morning with some application to just, as you think back through these Scriptures, reread these and ask the Lord to speak to you. Sitting and learning from Jesus in you. First of all, that word, I want to kind of do an acrostic of sit. S-I-T. The S is for scheduled time along with Jesus through prayer and meditation on His Word. It means... Every day, take God's Word and spend time. And we know this from childhood. We're supposed to look at the Scriptures and pray every day. Church, can I just tell you, the biggest issue I see often in the lives of pastors who I work with who are not well is because they're no longer in the Word and praying every day. Something along the line bumped them out of getting in the Word and praying every day in such a way that they're hearing fresh encouragement from the Father above. And they begin to rely on their own skills, their own abilities, their own strength. You know what happens when we rely on our own skills, abilities, and strengths in this world? There's someone called the adversary, and he walks over and does this. And we're done. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Now church, we've worked this thing out pretty good. We can get it looking pretty good. We can make impact into the community in all kinds of ways. The bottom line is, apart from Him, church, we can do nothing. We're just like another group. What makes us different, and I love these men who talked about basketball, is Jesus and basketball. It's not basketball and Jesus. It's Jesus and basketball. I love that. So we need to sit with Him every day and spend time in the Word and in prayer and let Him speak into our hearts something that we need to hear. Because we never know when we're going to need that miracle, that Word that really helps us be the passage to get through difficulties of life. Schedule time with Him every day, somewhere, some way, somehow. Do it. Do it. Corey Tim Boone says, make an appointment with God and keep it like He's really God. Do you see that? Make an appointment with God, and then keep it like He's really God, because He really is. The other thing is not only do we sit with Jesus, but we invest in others what the Spirit reveals to you in your times with Jesus through the Word of God. 
This word tells us in Isaiah 55 that this word never returns void. So when God speaks word into your life, and you speak that word into the life of someone else, one of these young ones, someone in the middle, someone on the other end of this thing in life, that word never returns void. The words that David spoke to Solomon did not return void. His word continues to echo all around until it accomplishes its purpose. God's word and prayers are eternal until God resolves what that word and prayer was intended to do. My grandparents' prayers for years was that I might come to know Jesus. And my dad and mom didn't go to church and no one that we knew went to church and we were way, way, way far away from the Lord Jesus. But faithfully they prayed God's Word over my life. And one day, my hard heart became tender and I decided to go to church on a Sunday. Why? Because His Word never returned void. You see, we... We sit with Jesus, scheduling time along. We, we invest in others, His Word, what He speaks to you. You speak that Word to people around you. You encourage people with the Word. If you don't know what to say in a situation, first, just be quiet and be still and just be in prayer. But if God's given you a Word, speak that Word of truth. God's Word. So they can impact them. And then last is tell. The T is tell someone you meet this year about Jesus' love and forgiveness. The SBC has come up with this thing, who's your one? You may be doing it here, I don't know. Who's your one is, is taking someone that you know and investing in them the gospel. Maybe someone you've just, just got to know. Maybe someone you've known for 25, 30 years. But it means to be intentional, be deliberate about sharing the gospel with them. And we lived up in, up in Atlanta area. I had who's your one all around my neighborhood, men who I'd invested in and, and worked with in different things, and I was, I was praying and asking them to come to Jesus. I was sharing my life and looking for opportunities, and the Lord moved us. Now, I'm still praying for them, and I'm still looking for opportunities if we ever reconnect, but not like we connected then. I'm out of the neighborhood. I'm out of the circle of guys hanging out on the end of the cul-de-sac talking about nothing sometimes. But God's put new people around me, and I'm connecting to them and in hopes that I might encourage them with Jesus' love and forgiveness for their life. So sitting with Jesus starts with time in the Word and time in prayer every day, and then we take what we heard from that time in prayer and the Word every day and invest that in, in those around us. But then we tell someone who doesn't know about Jesus, His love and forgiveness. Church, we've got to step out and be bold. We have to do this because that's the whole purpose. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. It's fellowship with the Father, fellowship with one another, meeting the needs of a community, but ultimately it's got to be Jesus and then basketball. Because if you flip those two around, the world will never hear the Gospel like it needs to. So praise the Lord for you guys who love this community enough to do that. Do whatever it takes, but put Jesus in the front of it and let the other thing be that vessel, that instrument to get you to hear that gospel. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the church. And just, I pray, Father, the thoughts I've shared that encouraged me will have encouraged them. And so, Father, now it's real simple. It comes down to, first of all, always is there a relationship with you? If there's a relationship with you, we're good. If not, we're not good. 
And Lord, if there's a relationship, Lord, I pray that this time we call invitation would be a time for them to examine their hearts and see where they are in this commitment to Your Word and prayer every day. And then, Lord, their commitment to invest that Word they hear in their time with You in the lives of young people and the family around them, but also strangers they meet in, in the Walmart or wherever. Lord, let them be willing to tell someone about Jesus in this new year. So someone will be sitting here in this congregation, in this sanctuary, in the coming weeks or months who would not have been here. And so, Father, that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be down front if you guys want to come and share something or you need some prayer. Glad to do that. This altar is open. You guys just to talk to the Father as He leads you.